Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. How many people want to jump into the book of Revelation tonight? Part 5, chapter 9, we're looking at the trumpet judgments of the last days that will take place during the Great Tribulation. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. Remember, John is seeing these things in the Spirit. He's in the Spirit. He sees a star fallen from heaven to earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. So this star is a him. It's a somebody. It's not a literal star. Because when we look at stars, we don't say him or her. So this is talking about a living being here. And of course, we looked at stars and how uh, they're symbolic of angels or messengers, specifically the messengers of the churches. We see that back in the early part of the book of Revelation. So he saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key, given authority, to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. Again, this is in the spirit. You're not going to see this in the natural. So this smoke of the great furnace is affecting the spiritual atmosphere of the earth. That's even before anything comes out of the pit. Just opening the pit affects the atmosphere of the earth. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. And to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. So notice, as the scorpions of the earth have power. So these are not earthly scorpions. These are demon spirits that are released upon the earth. Verse 4 says, they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree. Well, that's what natural locusts, locusts of the earth do. They eat green things. But not these locusts. But only those, they were only able to harm those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So there's people that have this, this seal of God on their foreheads. Now we see that. If you want to take a moment with me, we'll go back and look at Ezekiel. We didn't cover this last time. So let's just look at that. This mark on the forehead. Again, this is a spiritual mark. Ezekiel chapter 9, it says in verse 3, Now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed with linen who had the writer's inkhorn at his side. Now in the glory of God goes up or leaves a place, trouble's coming. Trouble's coming. Like I always say, judgment is not God's hand coming down on somebody or people. It's God's hand coming off. And God's hand is God's glory. And it's good. I said it's good. So when the glory of God departs, trouble begins to happen. That's why we want the glory of God on our lives. Romans chapter 3 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. But thank God through Jesus, our sins have been washed away and we've been reconnected to the glory. And so we are protected by that glory. Isaiah said, The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And you know, you think about the uh, book of Ephesians where it talks about taking up the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God covers your head and your breast plate, you know, you got a breastplate and your belt and you got a shield of faith and you got all these things that guard you on the front side. But Isaiah said, the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. So the glory's got your back. 
It protects us. But the glory had gone up. And verse 4 says, And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. So he says, take note of those that are not a part of this mess, this perverted and wicked generation. Take note of them, those that sigh and cry over all the abominations, all the perverted sinful things that are taking place in the earth. They're not partakers of it. They're interceding for people and they're groaning over the sin that is in the land. He says, put a mark on their foreheads. Well, these guys won't even know when that happens, you know. This is all happening in the spirit. But suddenly, you know, a, a mark appears on their foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over the abominations that are done in it, done in the city. Verse 5, to the others he said in my hearing, go after him through the city and kill. Do not let your eyes spare nor have any pity. Utterly slay old and young men, maidens and little children and women, but do not come near anyone on whom is the mark. And begin at my sanctuary. I think it's First Peter where it says judgment will begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who don't believe? I believe is, is how that's quoted. But notice that. If you have the mark, then this judgment that's coming on the Lamb won't come on you. Hallelujah. Don't you want to make sure you're marked? We've got to make sure we got the mark of God on our forehead. So, they began with the elders who were before the temple, the leaders of the church. Leaders of the church. That's interesting because we just saw a, a leader of the church, a great star falling from heaven, right? A messenger to the churches. A leader in the church, the elders in the churches had fallen. That's where it starts many times first. Then he said to them, verse, verse uh, 7, defile the temple and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. And they went out and killed in the city. So apparently not everybody in the temple was marked. Not everyone was marked with salvation, with divine protection. They were in the temple. Thank God for the temple. Thank God for going to church. Hallelujah. But make sure you're living a life that gets you marked, that makes you marked by God. I, I like what it says over, I think it's Proverbs. could be the Psalms. I'm not sure right now. But it says, mark the blameless man. Mark the blameless man and consider the upright for the future of that man is peace. Mark the blameless man. The future of that, it says mark him. His future is peace. Praise God. Be blameless. Live a blameless life. Get the mark of God on you and God says, mark that man. And you watch and see, his future is peace. I don't care what's going on in the world. I don't care what's going on around him. His future is peace. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. And then there's also someone else that was marked in the word of God. And it's over in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4, and it's Cain. You remember there in verse 13, where it says, And Cain said to the Lord... My punishment is greater than I can bear. Remember, he just killed his brother Abel. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. So even Cain, who was a murderer, because he had appealed to God, God in his great love and mercy even put a mark on Cain. That's how good God is. 
So anyone finding him would not kill him. Now, of course, we know this mark is a spiritual mark. So, but yet here, anybody finding him could be somebody physical. Someone in the natural. But yet they won't be able to kill him. Because how many people know behind a person that commits murder is a murdering spirit? There are evil spirits that are behind it. It's Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He inspires it. He's behind it. So if you can stop the devil, then you can stop a lot of bad things happening among humans. You can stop humans from causing problems. You can stop humans from murdering people if you could stop the murdering spirit that's working behind the scenes. So that's why the Bible says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. But we come against principalities, powers, rules of the darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's, that's where the real battle is. And thank God Jesus has given us his name and we have victory over evil spirits. We have, we have victory over demons. Hallelujah. Tell them, cease and desist in your maneuvers and operations. And then we can call forth the angels of God. Hallelujah. Man, we got so many angels working in this city right now. Driving back demons that would try to bring all kinds of problems to our, to our city, to our state. But we're on it spiritually. I said, we're on it spiritually. And the devil is greatly hindered. And if the devil's hindered, people just stand there going, huh? I thought we were going to get something done here. I mean, they're, you know, they're kind of like a goose in the fog. They've lost their leader. They've lost their leadership, which is the devil. Hallelujah. And when they don't have a leader, they just kind of wander around trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing. Hallelujah. Amen. Cut off the devil. Let's just cut off the devil from working in our lives and working in the lives of people around us. Thank God we got authority to do it. Can you say amen? Coming back to Revelation chapter 9, verse 5. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them. Who? Those that don't have the mark. Those that don't have the mark on their forehead. Now notice, uh, the devil is, is limited. He's restrained. You know the devil can't just do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it? He's got to be given permission to do it. He's got to be given the right to do it. You know, you go back to the book of Job and you see that. You know, Satan came and presented himself before the Lord, laid out these accusations against Job. And, uh, and because of those accusations, Job, uh, excuse me, Satan had some place in Job's life. But the Lord made it very clear to him what he couldn't do. He said, all right, yeah, all of this is in your hands, but you can't do this. How many remember that? See, the devil just can't do whatever. He's got to have place. That's why Ephesians tells us to give no place to the devil. Give no place. And if he has no place, he got nothing he could do. See, that's why you got to watch, you know, the news and everything, all the natural things going on around you. The real battle is in the spirit. That's where the real battle is. And, and, And if you give no place to the devil then devilish people won't be able to harm you. I said, devilish people won't be able to harm you. I mean, don't we see that with the master, the Lord Jesus? I mean, he just walked right through the midst of them. Angry mobs, angry, violent mobs. Jesus just, Jesus just walked right through the midst of them. Nobody could touch him. Nobody could do a thing to him. Eventually, they could because he allowed them to do it. But Jesus didn't give any place to the devil, and therefore those people could not touch him. They were just, huh? What's going on? Where are we are? They probably started grabbing at each other in confusion. Because their leader couldn't, their devils couldn't take Jesus down, so they couldn't take him down. Isn't that good news? That's good news to me. Thank God. Thank God. I'm so glad it's a spiritual war that we're in because it's a war Jesus already won. Jesus already won the battle for us. Praise God. So they were not given authority to kill. You can harm them, but you can't kill them. 
but to torment them for five months. Now, now remember, you say, why would the Lord allow that? No, the Lord didn't allow it. They allowed it. The Lord's telling them what they can't do. The Lord would like to tell them, you can't harm them. You can't touch them. That's what the Lord would like to say. But they had legal right. These demon spirits, these, these scorpions from hell, had legal right to do this. So, so the Lord was telling them, all right, you can harm them and torment them. You can do that. Yep, they've allowed you to do that. But there's only so far you can go. You can't kill them. See, the Lord isn't sicking these demons on the people. The Lord doesn't want the demons to be able to do this. The people have given the devil place to do this. He said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So they loosed it upon themselves. People are loosing things upon themselves. One of the ways they do it is through loose lips. Loose lips, you know, they just speak in all kinds of negative, bad, terrible things. And so they're actually loosing demons to afflict them. So again, verse 5, and they were not given authority to kill, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Well, remember over in Luke's gospel, chapter 10, and in verse 19, Jesus said to his disciples, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So here are these scorpions. Jesus has already told us in Luke 10, it won't harm you. I've given you authority over them. We've got, in the name of Jesus, authority over these creatures. So as ugly as they look, as nasty as they are, Praise God, you and I got authority over them. Verse 6, in those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. Notice that, death will flee from them. So you've got to understand, death is an entity. Death is a spirit. It's an evil spirit. It's the spirit of death. And you see that in Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, where it says, Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. Well, if death wasn't a demon, how could it be cast into a lake of fire? See? Death is a, is a spirit. It's a spirit. And how many people know death's going in the lake of fire, which means what? People aren't going to die anymore. When that happens, people will not die anymore. In fact, that's when the dead in Christ will rise. Because death will be gone. Death will have lost its grip. And those that have died in Christ, their bodies will be resurrected. And there'll be no more death. There'll be no more dying. Nobody dies without the help of a devil. There really is a grim reaper. There really is a grim reaper. Verse 7, the shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold. In other words, it wasn't gold, but it was something like gold. I think of brass. Brass can look like gold, but it's not. And their faces were like the faces of men, but they weren't really the faces of of men. And notice with these crowns on their head, see, how many people know, again, Ephesians, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness. Rulers. So these evil spirits are rulers. And that's why they're wearing these crowns. They have crowns on their head. Verse 8, they had hair like women's hair. And their teeth were like lions' teeth. So, again, these are fallen angels. That's what, that's what these demons are and evil spirits are. They're fallen angels. You know, many times you see portraits of angels, you know, having long hair. Not females. But many times they're, port- they're, you know, they're portrayed as having, having long hair. Well, 
here's these demons with long hair that it hasn't been shampooed in a long time. This is, this is some nasty hair here. Verse 9. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions. And there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, he's seeing a tank, a military tank, something like that. Or we'll see that actually later on. Uh, But people, you know, like like helicopters, you know, the sound of it was like, you know, and they tried to, well, it's, it's possible, but, but nevertheless, that's, he's seeing this in the spirit. Again, there's a, a natural side that plays out as a result of these spiritual realities. But right now, we're looking at the spiritual reality here, and it's just describing to us demons, these demons, what they, what they look like. Job, over in the book of Job, describes this army that they'll be united in the last days to destroy. You see that over in Joel, the second chapter, verses 4 through 10. But continuing on here in chapter 9, verse 11, And they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, which means destruction. But in the Greek, he has the name Apollyon, which means destroyer. This is This is the devil. The devil is the destroyer. Verse 12, one woe is past. Behold, two more woes are coming after these things. And then we come to verse 13, the sixth trumpet. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. So here are these angels, and they're killers, they're destroyers. These are evil spirits. These are fallen angels. Fallen angels. And they're bound. Now, they haven't been loosed yet. Thank God. So they're still bound. Think about it. There are some fallen angels, evil spirits, that are bound right now waiting to bring about destruction in the days ahead. But they're bound right now. Again, what did Jesus say? Whatever you... Bind you, you, I'm talking to you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven or in the heavenlies. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven or in the heavenlies, in the heavenly places. So these guys are loosed. These guys are loosed. And that's why we have to make sure we're doing our job to keep things bound that need to stay bound. Keep things bound that need to stay bound. That's our job. Not let these guys out. How exactly are they bound? Well, Jude 1, 6 says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So they are bound with chains of darkness. Verse 16 Now, the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. So here's an army of 200 million horsemen, soldiers, 200 million. Now, China's population right now is 1 billion, 4 million. That's their population. So they could probably put together an army that size of 200 million, possibly. Nevertheless, verse 17, And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, 
hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. It's interesting that the Chinese flag is red and yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. Brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. So here you got these, these spirits. I want to just take a closer look at them. They had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. So, so you look at these, these evil spirits, and it seems like they're wearing all the things that make up an explosion. And perhaps in the natural, this could be chemical warfare that takes place. Especially when it talks about the sulfur. It's, it's, it's toxic, it's poisonous, and, uh, and people can't breathe. So here you have explosions, perhaps chemical warfare taking place. And a revelation I had got on this one time is that demons wear the explosions and the materials used in chemical warfare in the natural. In other words, they're the ones that are behind the death and the destruction. They're in the explosion. In other words, an explosion doesn't kill somebody. It's death in the explosion. It's demons in the explosion that actually kills them. So demons actually wear these natural things. And so... In thinking about that, I was reminded of when the World Trade Centers came down and how there was a a lot of pictures that were taken of that and many of them seemed to captivate the outline of demon spirits. How many people ever saw that? A a few of you saw that? So just for those that haven't, let's pull that up. It's very interesting. There's lots of these pictures But it's just interesting, you know, you see this demon face over here, demon face over there, and there's lots of them, lots of demon faces manifesting in the smoke and things. And you could say, well, it's just the, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just the, but understand this too, when you look at this, they're in that. Demons are in that. They wear those explosions. They're the death in the destruction that's taking place in the natural. And it's good to understand it, good to know that. Because again, the weapon that's formed against you isn't what takes you out. It's the evil spirits behind it. And if you use your authority over them, then no weapon formed against you will prosper, right? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were thrown in a fiery furnace. They were thrown in in, in a fiery situation. But the demon wasn't in there. There was a fourth man in there. And he was life. Death wasn't in the fire. Life was in the fire. And because death wasn't in the fire and life was in the fire, the fire had no power over them. It's what's in the fire that determines your outcome. So it don't matter if you're in the middle of an explosion. It don't matter if they release chemical warfare against you. People are dying all around you. Who's in the fire with you? If Jesus is in there with you and not the devil, you'll walk through the fire and you shall not be burned. Isn't that what the Bible says? That's what the Bible says. We'll walk right through it and we won't be burned. Praise God forever. So you don't have to be afraid of the weapon. You don't have to be afraid of man. You just have to know your authority over the devil. Verse 20. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons. Just think about it. If they just repented, it all could have been stopped. 
Isn't that what the Bible's inferring? If they just repented, they wouldn't have had to go keep going through this. But they didn't repent of the works of their hands. They should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, money, brass, stone, wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. It's talking about materialism. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries. Sorceries is, could be just demonic manipulation of people. Or their sexual immorality. Or their thefts. Sexual immorality plays a big part in, uh, in the destruction that is coming in the last days. Sexual sins play a big part in that. Chapter 10. He says in verse 1, And I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with the cloud, and a rainbow was around his head. That's interesting. How many people know the first time a rainbow appeared was in the book of Genesis right after the flood, after the earth was destroyed, after judgment came upon the entire earth. Now here we're in the great tribulation, and judgment is affecting the entire earth. And here comes an angel who's got the mark of the covenant on his head because that's what that rainbow represents. It's the covenant that God made that he would never again destroy the earth with a flood. It will burn up, but it will not be flooded. So here comes this angel with the rainbow representing God's covenant. He comes upon the earth. And uh, uh, on his head, his face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. And he had a little book open in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and uh, cried some things out. He ends up handing this little book to John. And so John takes the book and, of course, it's the Bible. It's what it is. And he hands John the Bible. And, of course, it's called a little book because this is a big, big angel. This guy's mighty. I mean, he's got one foot on the sea and one foot on the land. He's a big guy. So if he's holding a Bible that John can hold, then it's got to look pretty little. Right? So he hands him this little book. And it's the Bible. And, of course, Jesus tells us over in Matthew 24, verse 14, concerning the great tribulation in the end times, he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So the end can't come until the little book goes everywhere. And so that's what this angel is in charge of, making sure that things are held back until this gospel of the kingdom is preached in all the world. He gives John the book, and he tells John not just to read it, but to eat it. And that he will prophesy many things for many days. And so John eats it, and as he eats it, man, the, word, the, 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 the book, the words of the book are sweet as honey to his taste, but then it becomes bitter on the inside of him. It becomes fiery on the inside of him. And so, uh, God doesn't just want us to preach the gospel of the kingdom. He wants us to eat it and be partakers of it so that we're living it. See, God don't want you just to be a vessel that he can use to help other people. He wants you to have it right. Isn't he good that way? See, he wants to make sure that you're eating it. You're not just passing it on to somebody else. There's too many folks, they get a good word and they're ready to pass it on to somebody else. They're ready to tell somebody else about it. It's amazing how good people are at preaching to their family members and everybody else, telling everybody else what they need to do and what they need to fix. Why, they themselves, they're not eating the bitter herbs. Oh, they'll eat the sweet stuff. But how do you know we need, we need to eat the bitter stuff? We need to eat the bitter stuff. We need to eat the stuff that uh, is, is rough. It's rough on our flesh. It's rough on our digestive system. It's tough to digest. You know, it's, whew, tasted good, but, you know, when the pastor ministered, man, I was laughing every day, but then to apply it to my life, oh, dear Jesus. The suffering in the flesh. But he who suffers in the flesh has ceased from sin. 
So we got to be willing to eat it all, right? Don't just say, oh, that tastes good, then leave it. When it starts feeling bitter, spit it out. A lot of people regurgitate, you know, they, they come, they get the word, and it's sweet going in, they enjoyed it, you know, almost like a nice movie, they were entertained by the preacher, then they go home and they regurgitate. They vomit it up when it starts trying to meddle with them. It tries to tell them, now change that. Remember that word last night? I told you you got to change that, you got to fix that, don't you want a mark on your forehead? Not yet. Not yet. And so, uh, and so that is uh, chapter 10. Chapter 11 talks about these two witnesses in the last days during the great tribulation period. Uh, let's go back to verse 3. And I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. I like these guys. These are good guys. These are good guys. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut up heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. Well, remember, uh, Elijah did that. He spoke and there was a drought for three years and, and, and there was no rain on the earth until it, he said so. So, you know, these men are going to have that kind of power, that kind of faith in these last days. They have power over waters to turn them to blood. Well, remember, Moses did that. I think there might be a Moses in China right now. Because like we saw last time, that happened just last week. In this month of August, 2020, somebody caused those rivers to turn to blood. For all we know, we don't know. Maybe there's someone like Moses walking around in China right now saying, let my people go. Let my people go. We don't know everything that's going on in the world, do we? That doesn't mean it's not going on. It's like someone, some professor asked his students in a, in a science class one time. He said, uh, if a tree falls in the forest and there's nobody there to hear it, did it make a sound? These are the profound questions we have to have answered in college. <laughs> if no one was there to hear it, did it make a sound? What's the answer? Well, you don't know you weren't there. <laughs> Just because you weren't there don't mean it don't happen. Can you say amen? All right. So they have power of the world to, and to strike the earth with plagues as often as they desire. Now, when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. So notice there's a beast... That comes out of the bottomless pit. Something that isn't on the earth perhaps right now. But some some vicious thing that's coming in the last days. And uh, it'll come and overcome them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then... Those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. These are morbid, vile, violent people. And they're excited that these guys are dead. And so they don't even want them buried. Verse 10, watch this. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them. Make merry and send gifts to one another. They're going to make it a holiday. Like Christmas. Because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now after three and a half days. You know, good things happen. After three days. After three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, 
and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them watching CNN. I mean, the whole world's watching this thing. whole world's seeing these guys. They're standing up. They were just dead three and a half days. Everybody just had a big party. Now these guys stand up. And then this voice says, come up here. And there they go, into heaven. Everybody's watching this. You can imagine what that would be like. Try to put yourself there. That's a pretty scary day for the wicked. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell in the earthquake. 7,000 men were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. Good idea. Good idea. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Who are these two witnesses? Well, he gives you a little insight in verse 4. He says, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands. Well... Olive trees are symbolic of the Jewish people, of Israel. You see that in Jeremiah chapter 11, verses 16 and 17. Also in Romans chapter 11, verse 24. Israel, the Jewish people, are likened to an olive tree. The lampstand, we know that's... The church, the Gentile church. We saw that in chapter 1 of the book of Revelation. Revelation 1 verse 20 to be exact. So the lampstand is symbolic of the Gentile church while the olive tree is symbolic of the Jewish people. These will be together as God's two witnesses. The Gentile church and the Jews that will be saved. All Israel will be saved. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans. They will join forces in the last of the last days. Somewhere in the middle to the end of the great tribulation period and the power that they're going to walk in. We see here described. Somebody says, you mean you're not, this isn't talking about two men? Two people? Well, it is. Symbolically, it's talking about the church and the Jewish people. Combined together in the last days. Now, there's some people that, that teach, now, see, the church is going to be raptured, then Israel's going to get saved. No, that's not the Bible. No, we're all going to be working together in the last days. In fact, Israel's going to get saved because we are here. We'll, be, we'll have a lot to do with them getting saved. And we'll be together. So, symbolically, it's the Gentile church and... The Jewish believers combined together, walking in signs and wonders, mighty deeds in these last days, man, just tearing it up. But then also, it's literal. There are two people that will literally be killed. Their bodies will be laid out in the street, and they will be resurrected after three and a half days. And you say, well, who are these? Who are these two people? Well, I happen to believe one of them's me. <laughs> Not really. Who are these two people? Well, there's the possibility that it is Enoch and Elijah. Enoch, the Bible says he walked with God for a few hundred years, and then he was not. He was translated. He just, he just left. So he never saw death. And then Elijah, he went up in a chariot of fire. So perhaps these guys are going to come back. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, what will they be like? After hanging out in the glory all this time. And here they, are, they come back and say, you know, we never died. So we legally have a right to be here. We, we, you know, we have a legal right to die. And, and so they have a legal right to come back and do this. So it is a possibility that those are the two that will be coming back in the last days. Can you say amen? Revelation chapter 11 verse... 15, it says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. 
And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God. And they begin to declare things and they're worshiping God. This is very interesting. Here we're talking about the seventh trumpet. If you go back to the seventh seal, again, you see heaven. You see those worshiping God in, in heaven. So I believe the seventh trumpet here is, uh, is an announcement of the end of the great tribulation. It's the announcement of the end of the great tribulation period. Bam, bam, bam. It's over. Praise God. And now you've got uh, folks in heaven worshiping God, praising God. And then the Bible says in verse 19... Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple, and there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. And again, I believe this is describing the glory of God, the glory of God. And so, at the end of the great tribulation, again, there's going to be great, great glory. How many people know God always wins? In the end, God always wins. So it's going to look nasty at a lot of different points throughout this great tribulation period, but it ends with great, great glory. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. And now we move into chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. And I love chapter 12. Lots of great things here. Verse 1, now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. And on her head, a garland of 12 stars. Some people know Jesus had 12 disciples, but even before that, you have the 12 tribes of Israel. I believe that's the woman. It is Israel. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diamonds on his head. Now, Revelations chapter 20, verse 2, tells us that the dragon is Satan. And verse 4 says, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven against the angels, talking about the angels, and threw them to the earth. And the dragon, who is Satan, stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. And and she bore a male child who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. What child is this? This is Jesus. Israel gave birth to Jesus. Jesus came out of the nation of Israel. And she bore a male child who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. That's talking about the resurrection. He was raised from the dead. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her. Three uh, there, 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. See, when this male child, Jesus, was resurrected, a great war broke out. A great war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Remember, now when Jesus rose from the dead, he disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in his resurrection. He defeated it. See, there was a great war that broke out. There was a great war that broke out. Satan thought, and his angels thought, that they had Jesus. I mean, they had him bound in the center of the earth in a hell. They thought they had him for eternity. But Jesus, after three days, rose from the dead. A great war ensued, and Satan was disarmed. He was defeated, and he was made a public spectacle. A public spectacle. Praise God. And then it says this. Verse 8 again. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Now, this is what throws people off. They think this is talking about the very beginning with the fall of Lucifer. This is not the fall of Lucifer. This is not the fall of Lucifer. This is Satan's fall from heaven. Now, Lucifer, we know, he fell from heaven. 
Because he left his proper habitation. We just read that in Jude. His proper habitation was the earth before man was created. He said in Isaiah 14, I will ascend above the clouds. I'll set my throne above the stars of God, the angels of God. I'll be like the most high. He said, I'll ascend into heaven. I'll ascend into heaven. He said, I'll ascend. So he wasn't in heaven. Isaiah 14, he wasn't in heaven. He said, I'll ascend into heaven. So he ascended into heaven, went above the clouds, went into heaven with his, a third of the angels with him. And of course, they were thrown back down to the earth, defeated, and became Satan and demons. And then God started all over and created a new ruler of the earth, and it's man. Right? Well, man bowed his knee to Satan. And Satan gained the dominion over the earth that man had. So, man, so the devil now became the representative of mankind. Adam was supposed to be the representative of mankind. But now Satan became the representative of mankind. And so now he had a place in heaven. See, he had the place, uh, he had that place that Adam was supposed to have. So here, you remember over in the book of uh, Job, chapter 1. How there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. So you see here the sons of God, they come in to present themselves before the Lord. Satan's able to come right in there with them. Why? Because he's the ruler over mankind. He's got the dominion over the earth. And he's able to come in instead of saying good things about man. He's man's accuser. So he now is accusing mankind day and night before God, trying to bring judgment on us, trying to bring destruction upon our lives. He had this place in heaven because Adam gave it to him. Adam gave it to him. But when Jesus rose from the dead, the devil was cast out of heaven. He lost that place in heaven. In fact, if you go to John, the 12th chapter, the Gospel of John, chapter 12, and in verse 31, it says, Jesus said these words right before going to the cross. Right before going to the cross, he said this. He says, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Who's this talking about? Who's the ruler of this world? Satan. Satan, because of Adam, is the ruler of this world. Jesus is saying, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world, is, will be, he will be cast out. See, this isn't talking about when Lucifer fell in the very beginning and fell from heaven. Now he's going to be cast out. Verse 32, and if I, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, crucified, will draw all peoples to myself. This he, signified, this he said signifying by what death he would die. So, there was no longer a place found for Satan any longer. He was cast out. The accuser was cast out of heaven. Verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan. Who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. So now he's limited to the earth. He can't, he can't march around heaven anymore accusing mankind before God. The accuser's been cast out. But now there's a new representative of mankind. And he's our attorney. He's our advocate. Hallelujah. And it's the Lord Jesus who ever lives to make intercession for us. Praise God. He's seated up there making intercession for us. Man, we got it so much better than they had under the old covenant. Under the old covenant, there was an accuser that was still up there. That was able to accuse them day and night, just like he did Job. How people know he can't do that anymore? He can't do that. Why? Because he doesn't have that place any longer. So you know who he's got to get to accuse you now? A fellow member of the body of Christ who is seated in the heavenly places. You and I have been given that seat through Jesus. And the devil would try to get a fellow brother and sister to bring accusations before the Lord, before God, on behalf of one another. 
So we have to watch ourselves. We never want to do the work of the accuser. He's been cast out. Don't give him your mouth. He can't, he, he can't stand before God and accuse you anymore. But you can accuse another because you have that place in heaven. But you don't want to do that. You want to yield to the advocate. You want to yield to the Holy Spirit and intercede for your fellow brothers and sisters. That's why the Bible says over in Romans, the eighth chapter, that uh, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses with groanings that cannot be articulated. The Holy Spirit gives us utterance to be able to intercede for the saints. Can you say amen? Verse 10, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength. See, now, now, now. See, he was cast out at the time of the resurrection. Now, at this time, salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. Well, the power of his Christ didn't come until Jesus rose from the dead. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast out. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Praise God. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. He's miserable because he knows his days are numbered. His days are numbered. His days are numbered. Hallelujah. And so he's just miserable. I had a dream one night. I won't get into it. But uh, there was just all kinds of destruction going. You couldn't see who was doing it because it was a spirit. It was Satan. Things, glass was breaking. Things were happening. And it was because, I knew it was because he knew his time was short. And he was just He was just ranting and raving and going crazy. Verse 13. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman. Who's that? Israel, who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given to... How many of you know that's where Hitler comes in? For one. See, that was Satan's inspiration to destroy the Jews, destroy the Jewish people, torture them, destroy them. It was because of this right here. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. That's interesting. That she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and a time and half a time from the presence of the serpent. You know, it's just interesting that uh, thanks to Hitler, Israel became a nation again. It was at the end of World War II, right? At the end of World War II that Israel became a nation again. So here Hitler was raised up by the dragon uh, to destroy the Jewish people, and he destroyed a lot of them, killed a lot of them. But in the end, he died, Hitler died, and Israel became a nation. Israel became a nation again. Come on, tell me God isn't good. Praise God. And, uh, and then she was protected. She, now she has her place again. She has her land back. And uh, thanks to this uh, eagle. Hmm. How many people know the symbol of America? is an eagle. And how many people know America has a whole lot to do with Israel becoming a nation again and protecting the Jewish people? Yeah. God's used America to protect Israel. The wings of an eagle. Uh, and she was nursed for a time at times and a half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Bible talks about, in the New Testament, a flood of ungodliness. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon, how many of you know, that, I mean, you can just see, uh, the, the, Israel is just surrounded with nations that want Israel destroyed. I mean, just people just spewing. People just, they want Israel destroyed, man. They're just chomping at the bit, so to speak, to just get that nation destroyed. Uh, well, see, that's the devil. That's the devil. But the earth keeps helping. Keeps helping Israel. Uh, and the eagle, of course. Verse 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Who are they? That's the church. That's you and I. We are the offspring of the woman. Israel. In fact, Abraham... 
is the father of our faith. And so, so the devil's having a tough time with Israel. So now he turns, and in the last days, he comes hard after the church. But that's okay, because we're a church that's battle-hardened. Can you say amen? And we've got the full armor of God. Hallelujah. And so when the devil comes, we just look and say, go ahead. Make my day. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm not going to say go ahead. I'm going to say get under my feet. Get under my feet. No, in fact, you're already there. Let's just say it this way. You're under my feet. My day is made. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Come on, let's stand on our feet. Let's thank the Lord. Glory to God. We're going to start chapter 13 next time. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.